Hello and welcome to the Kane Violation. I'm your host, Sam Kane. Today we are doing a very, very mediocre team in the NBA. We're talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder in the Western Conference. Just a complete tank job going on here. Highest paid player right now is Derek Favors. Derek Favors barely plays. This guy, he needs to get traded. He is making $9.7 million right now. Next year, he has a player option for $10.1 million. He's 30 years old. Oldest guy on the team by far. Well, actually, Mike Miscall is 30, so... I'm not sure who's older between the two, but they're around the same age. But there's no reason to have Derek Favors on this team. The only reason he's on this team is because the Jazz gave up a first-rounder to get Favors off the books. So, of course, Oklahoma City gets a another first-rounder. This team has 38 picks over the next probably eight years or so, if I had to guess. They own 19 first-rounders and 19 second-rounders. I mean, it's crazy. Eventually, they're just going to run out of roster spots if they use all these picks. But you know, right now, they don't really see exactly what this this team's going to look like in a few years. So you're basically, you're just picking the best talent available and hoping that uh, something will work out. I would imagine OKC's going to be taking on some bad salaries very shortly. The Clippers could give a second-round pick by just saying, hey, we need to get Officer Jabaka. Here's a second-rounder. Have fun. Enjoy Ibaka, and then the Thunder don't even really need to keep Ibaka. They could just wave him. And then Ibaka can go to a playoff team, whatever. Maybe they do a buyout. Probably not. Probably not even do a buyout because the, the Thunder need the money to get up to the floor. 78 right now. They got to get the 101. They do have an open roster spot. They had this guy, Gabriel Deck. He made a joke because last season <laughs> they signed a guy named Deck to reach reach up to the, <laughs> the salary floor. He was he was a late season signing last year. Um, barely barely has played this year. I think he's played less than ten games. They uh, they waived him. His salary is guaranteed though. I think it's one point six million dollars. He's going back to Real Madrid. So, uh, yeah, the uh, the highest paid guy, Derek Favors, $9.7 million. What are you going to do with this guy? That I, If someone wants him, they can probably have him. I, uh, we just did the trade machine on ESPN here. If the Celtics really wanted to save a couple million dollars, they could trade Richardson to the Thunder and, uh, take back favors. I don't think they would do that, though. I think they actually 
wouldn't mind holding on to Richardson and could probably get a little more creative getting under um, the luxury tax, which they just did recently with the Bull Bull um, P.J. Jozier trade. They they sent out Juancho Hernan Gomez, saved a few million dollars by taking those two guys back. So, you know, salary cap, gymnastics, that's, that's really what this is at the end of the day, and you're going to see a lot of that. So their next guy is Josh Giddy. He's a rookie. He was the sixth pick in the draft last year. I know OKC was a little disappointed that they got the sixth pick because they were really bad last year. I think they were expecting to get a top three pick. And when uh, the lottery selections came out, they were bombed. But I think it all worked out because Josh Giddy's been a very nice player so far. He is averaging 11 points, 6 assists, and 7 rebounds. Pretty good. Pretty good. Almost, almost a triple-double. Pretty nice player, though. He played in Australia, I believe, so he's part of the future. You got a guy, so uh, definitely hold on to him. I'd say he's untouchable right now. Next guy, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Playing pretty well. Definitely. Now, we were talking about him maybe not being on the same timeline as, you know, perhaps Giddy and then whoever OKC is going to draft this year and the year after that. And the year after that and the year after that, they got 19 first-round picks coming up, so you get kind of worried. Oh, man, how long are... They gonna you know waste SGA for while they're developing these guys, but you know I brought up well what about the fact that Drew Holiday is like four or five years older than Giannis, and they just won the championship last season. Like all the core players, like the big three players on a championship team, they don't have to be the exact same age as long as, you know, they um, can still play at a high level. Then so what? And that was the case with the Bucks last year. Drew Holiday was still a really great player, and it all worked out. So if uh, hopefully Gilgis Alexander is okay being on some bad teams for the next few years, but, you know, maybe in like five years or so, OKC's finally a contender or an up-and-coming team. Maybe he'll be fine with it then, but, you know, hopefully he's just okay being patient in the meantime and doesn't demand a trade at all. Once, you know, you got a couple guys and you're... Now, like, a lower seed playoff team, maybe you start figuring out all the other pieces to surround SGA, uh, Giddy, whatever player they're going to draft this year. And you use some of those draft picks, and you're like, all right, let's cash in on these and, and start getting some players that just fit with these guys to to help build that contender. So... 
because there's no way they're going to use 19 first-round picks in the next eight years. It's not possible. I mean, I already think they have, like, a lot of young talent that they have on the roster now that they don't want to just give up on. This isn't really, like, the process Sixers where they have, like, all these, like, G League, straight-up G League players. Like, yeah, they're... Some of the guys at the end of the roster here aren't the greatest, but, you know, I think they're, they they do have futures in the NBA. I mean, let's, we'll go down the list a little here. Um, the next highest paid player is Mike Muscala, who actually might be the longest tenured on the team. He was uh, with them in 2019. I think SGA is probably... The longest tenure player. Let's look at OKC's roster from the 1920 season. Because I think Dort was on the team that year. All right, so Baisley, Dort, SGA, and Mascala. And Isaiah Roby as well. I think he was acquired at the deadline, though. This was... That 1920 team was a team with Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, and uh, Dennis Schroeder's last year with the team. They actually went to the playoffs. They were in the bubble. So now we'll go to the 2018-19 season, and I don't see any guys from that team that are with the Thunder now. So, yeah, I would say... Probably SGA's their longest tenured player. I forget what happened first, whether they drafted Dort first or did the... So, I mean, we'll just say it's it's SGA. That's the longest tenured player. But they... Um, Mike Muscala has been on the team for a few years now. It sounds like he's... It, it's more of a locker room presence guy because he's not putting up eye-popping stats or anything like that. Let's take a look here. He's played 41 games this year, averaging 8 points a game. That's not bad for Mike Muscala. I didn't realize Muscala was playing this well. He's usually averages, yeah, like he averaged like 5 points a game on the Lakers first year with the Thunder, averaged uh, 4.8. It looks like his shot, yeah, his three-point percentage has really improved because I'm looking at his last year in Atlanta, 37%. Um, with uh, the Sixers, 34%. With the Lakers, 36%. First two years with OKC, 37%. So now it's at 42 yeah, this guy might be worth something now. A playoff team might want this guy. He's 30, so he really shouldn't be on a rebuilding team unless OKC just really values his presence, which uh, seems to be the case because I was kind of surprised that he's, he's making more than the minimum this year. He got like a mini mid-level deal. So we'll see what they do with him. And then the next guy is this Pokashevsky guy. I don't think he's playing much. I, I, I don't think... I mean, 
people were talking about this guy a lot last year, like a heat check guy. But yeah, he was averaging eight points a game last year. It's all the way down to 4.6. Only has started two games. We watched some of uh, the highlights against the Blazers yesterday. He didn't play. Is he hurt? He must be hurt right now. Let's look this up. Because I don't know why he... What happened to Pogoshevsky? Yeah, what did happen to Pogoshevsky? COVID? Reassigned to the G League? Yeah, maybe Pokashevsky is not part of the future with OKC. I think they'll hold on to him because they owe him $3 million this year, another $3 million next year, and then they have the team option the final year, which they can decline this summer if they want to. I don't know. I think he's so young. He's only 20. Might as well just hang on to him and see what you got there. But um, I think there's a 100, probably 200% chance that this roster's going to look different after February 10th because teams are going to be looking to dump bad contracts to this this OKC Thunder team and um, keep getting those picks Presty keep on getting those picks maybe you'll have 20 first rounders in the near future and our movie of the week is from 1983 very simple title it's called The Being I recognized only two actors from this film. Well, technically one. The first being Jose Ferrer. I hope I'm saying his name right. So, an actor I very much admired named Miguel Ferrer passed away back in 2017. He was great. He was in a ton of movies and TV shows. Twin Peaks, NCIS... I think for my generation, he was most well-known as the main villain in the Disney classic film Blank Check. Classic. You know, honest question. Why isn't that film on the IMDb Top 250? I mean, I've never met a person who's hated it. So, what's the deal? But, seriously, a great movie... Uh, I I had heard uh, Miguel had come from an acting family and uh, was actually cousins with George Clooney. So as soon as I saw Jose Ferrer's name, I knew it had to be his dad, and voila, it was. Now, um, I'm sure this film is a poor representation of... Uh, Jose's acting work, so probably not a great first movie to see him in. Uh, and the other actor, a guy who's appeared in another movie I reviewed on this podcast, Martin Landau. Yes, he is in this movie. Of course, uh, we talked about him 
on the episode where we discussed Alone in the Dark, the 1982 movie, not the 2005 Crap Fest. What in the hell is Martin Landau doing here? Well, apparently the director of this film was only 23 years old. Her name was Jackie Kong, took acting lessons with Landau just so she could pass the script on to him. So Landau goes from working with Hitchcock on North by Northwest, flash forward to 20 years later, now he's at the point of his career where he's getting duped by Jackie Kong to appear in her film. Well, at least he won an Oscar. This would have been 12 years after this movie came out. Uh, Maybe 11. This is 83. Ed Wood came out in 94. Oh, and by the way, Jackie Kong was married to Bill Osco, an adult film producer who actually financed this movie for $4 million. And not only that, he also stars in the movie as our main protagonist. Does he do a good job? The movie starts off with this kid running in uh, what looks to be a quarry in the middle of the desert. He's dressed like one of those kids in E.T., the kids who were in the bicycle gang. The movie came out around the same time, so that makes sense. The actor looks like a He might be in his 20s, though. I'm pretty sure they they meant for him to be a a small kid. So anyways, he hides out in this car, drives away, but right before he can get anywhere towards civilization, something rips his head clean off as he's driving. It's actually a pretty solid special effect. So then we cut to Martin Landau on TV being interviewed. He's explaining that all the radiation getting dumped into the local water supply is okay. Guys, it's okay. We've done the tests. Intricate studies. And nowhere does it say that dropping radiation in our drinking water is unsafe. Then he actually, he actually does, he grabs a pitcher of water and pours himself a glass, slurps it down, says, I'm still here. I'm, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still standing. Then we cut to a drive-in movie. Remember those? Yeah, they were a thing at one time. A couple is in their car rounding first base. When a bunch of slimy goo starts leaking in through the radiator. Who could it be? What could it be? It's the being. What is the being? It's not really clear. I guess it's something formed through toxic waste, but it could also be an alien? Does it really matter, though? Its existence is to rip off skulls and burst through people's stomachs. All for our own entertainment. So our main character of the movie, who's actually the financier of the film, he falls asleep, starts dreaming, and in this dream, 
he's co-piloting an airplane with Martin Landau. Now, uh, suddenly, we see Landau just jump out of the cockpit. He just, he, he jumps straight out. Not really any reason why. Then he has a vision of uh, a female character in the movie dressed as the Wicked Witch of the West. Flying a broom in the sky and everything. I, I, I don't know why they even bothered including this scene in the film. Doesn't do much. But uh, it certainly is getting weird. I mean, this is... Uh, it's already pretty silly. It's ridiculous. The porner producer guy, our main protagonist, clearly isn't an actor. And uh, this movie, despite a few decent kills and solid special effects, is really just ineffective. The characters are literal nobodies to me. They barely have a personality. and I don't care that some alien hand can transform in the Grimer. Who cares? I don't even know what this alien thing is. Half of the time, you can't even see what's going on. I mean, did the lighting person of this movie also go on to do Alien vs. Predator Requiem? I, mean, I, I really couldn't see what was going on. It, 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 I don't think they had a lighting person on this movie. Now, I did watch this on YouTube. I didn't watch an official copy putting this channel on blast movies to binge you know perhaps they made the picture a little darker but you know i'm gonna give uh movies to binge the benefit of the doubt yeah so basically i recap the first 20 minutes of the movie i'll give you the spark notes version of what happens after that so this town relies on its potatoes because this town's actually in the state of Idaho. And as one character says in the movie, potatoes around here, that means big money. And, uh, I mean, it's basically this creature, whatever you want to call it, being just killing people, killing people. At one point, so I, I, I've been watching these movies earlier in the morning. It's, it's kind of the new ritual I have. I uh, will make, make the coffee, put on the movie, of course, pissing off my wife because she's still sleeping. She's hearing people screaming out in the living room. I don't blame her. Some other highlights, Martin Landau's reaction to a cat jumping out. I mean, it scares our main character, but <laughs> for whatever reason, it, it makes Martin Landau laugh really hard, and uh, it's, it's probably the best part of the movie, really. At the end of the day, I'll just spoil it. Our main character gets away from the being. He escapes through a warehouse, is able to climb his way up to the top of the warehouse and trap the being. 
And as he's on the roof, he throws his hat up in victory. But, I mean, I guess it was really windy out, so the hat didn't go that high. It seemed very anticlimactic. Anticlimactic. And that, that's really it. That's, that's kind of the perfect ending for a movie like this. It's, it's a clunker. It had a chance. It had a chance. But the movie lacks charm. A similar movie with outrageous special effects would be Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. Now that, that movie created a story, a character we cared about. Humorous situations, outrageous, and I mean outrageous, gooey gore that uh, basically just puts this movie to shame. I mean, also, you know, Dead Alive actually had a lighting person on their set, so that helps as well. But this movie, I mean, God, it's not god-awful, but I wouldn't recommend it. So, you know, we're going to give it the Tier 2 Abbey rating. It's just like, eh, alright. Some some good, some okay, but mostly bad. I'm Sam Kane. Thank you for tuning in. Now, enjoy the hip hop playlist of the week. Nothing before you. That's-
just like eating cereal, picking the folk over a spoon. Give to the needy, rips 
just touch it. So don't make me wait. Fuck around and I'm gonna bite you. Snatch the plate. I've been eating long enough now. Stop being greedy. Just keep it real, partner. Give to the need. Rip just touch it. So don't make me wait. Fuck around and I'm gonna bite you. Snatch the plate. I've been eating long enough now. Stop being greedy. Just keep it real, partner. Give to the need. Rip just touch it. So don't make me wait. Fuck around and I'm gonna bite you. Snatch the plate. I've been eating long enough now. Stop being greedy. Just keep it real, partner. Give to the need. Rip just touch it. So don't make me wait. Fuck around and I'm gonna bite you. Snatch the plate. Then I need another
on it. Uh, and a Prince Paul, bring me on and a Ayo Bosch, bring me on and a Mad Money Murph, just bring me on and a Uh, just bring me on, yo. This is the world premiere and I'm here. A presentation beyond compare. So MC step to the rears, I break through. Girls say ooh and then skip to my loo. That means dance as I get smooth with poetic perfection that you can groove with. Just like a passenger, hurry and fasten your seatbelt. Cause I'm about to start broadcasting the words of wisdom. So turn up the system, loud and clear. I don't want no one to miss one. Word to be heard, nothing flirt or slurred or referred. It's absurd, only damage is occurred. As I break MCs like a lumberjack, ain't no coming back. You can't get none of that. I'm not the type of MC to be merciful. So if your name ain't Jermaine, take it personal. Cause like a vigilante, I'm gonna kill up any sucker MC that tries to withstand me. With the mic in my hand, I start flowing then. All competition, flee and start going in the other direction. Run for protection. Cause I can burn an MC like an erection. You're too small, kid, don't get involved with the verbal bomb for the nation of Islam. Wisdom I speak makes your head notch on. I got the power, and that's a being born to God. But many doubt my knowledge of self. But they're just illiterate, so I don't consider it. Feeding off poison that's polluting their mind. And that's the reason I don't swine. I gotta maintain, accelerate my brain. And goddamn, it's hard being the cane. Tell me. Come on. Come on. Uh. Give it to me. Give it here. Give it to me. Yeah. This is the proper way man should choose ink. But you're at your brink and your rhymes are extinct. Just like a dinosaur, but you never find no more. Cause mine keep selling a wax like some kind of whore. Let me inject this floor of electric currency for all the party people preferring me. It's spectating like a tourist. Cause you never saw this style of rap kicking like Chuck Norris. But this ain't kung fu. No, I just brought you a style. The phony MCs will be young to digest when I manifest your adolescent. So sit back, relax, be glad you had a lesson. And this one's for your listening pleasure. Something for all the biting MCs to treasure. Just like a diary for you to admire me. Before you put in the dead poet society. Cool as a draft, drop a map in a paragraph. And laugh as the rap, breaking half your whole staff. But many MCs were able to retreat, running like an athlete. But I got bad feet, so I don't chase you. Nor do I wait to face you. Nah, it ain't in my nature. I just rip shop, flip top, and watch MCs get dropped. As I manifest in hip hop, runs like a struck the tough, like a talker truck. And just like lightning, they struck down on all the toy MCs that annoy. That's how I build and destroy the poetic printer. Rough rhyme inventor with a groove so smooth you can't help but get into. So I'm advising competition to flee. Cause I can bake an MC like Chef Boy D. Holding my own on the microphone. Cause I break bones just like sticks and stones. So let it rain, let it rain as I put them in pain. God damn it's hard being the cane. Give it to me. Get up. Come on. Come on, give it to me. Because here's the holocaust Above all laws and affecting all yours Cause I came to place a taste of basic grace A replace a race to waste without a trace My vocabulary will just have your very days in a maze So I fear no adversary That means competition They can't even touch this Even with ammunition Break out the gauge You're going to an outrage And I'ma still blow up the stage Cause this is a death threat But don't let your sweat get in the way of your vision Don't be missing when I get set To go on a rampage Start a one man rage Total destruction As I rip up the damn stage And leave it in ruin from the damn that I'm doing to prepare the atmosphere as I put you in the move for the smooth operator to start this flow. And so I hush the crush and stomp the calm to try to get flying face to ace. I put them in place, but see them, retreat them, defeat them, delete them, and beat them, and eat them, and all the rest of that good stuff because I don't need them. Only one survivor can remain, and goddamn, it's got to be the cane. 
to me. Give it here. Come on. Come on. Give it to me. Uh, put your weight on it. 